What's up, everybody? Welcome to The Good Wolf Project. I'm your host, Jerry Scarlato, and today our guest is Eric McHugh. Eric is a tech entrepreneur involved in such things as Web3 and artificial intelligence, both of which I have no understanding of. But we do get into just a little bit so that we can understand such technologies, because I do think it is important as a general population person to have a basic understanding of what's ahead. We all like to push technology aside and say, I'm not going to adapt to that. But guess what? Technology is going to show up whether you want it or not. Now, that's not most of our conversation. It's a very small portion of it. Most of our conversation is actually very in-depth around solitude, being able to be introspective and understand who you are, understanding your purpose, and figuring out what your life is about. This is a very in-depth conversation from a man with a 140 IQ, which again, I don't pretend to understand, but um, enjoy this conversation because you'll get a lot out of it. I know that I did. This is Eric McHugh. Eric, what's up, brother? Doing well today? I'm doing amazing. How about yourself, Jerry? Doing well. So we, you found me. Um, and generally what happens at the beginning of these things is it's, hey, what are you up to? Who are you? But I'm going to go ahead and ask you a question any, uh, to get us started first based on who you say you are in your Podmatch profile, which that doesn't mean anything to most people listening to this, but at any rate, <laughs> um, your mantra, your present mantra is as above, so below, as within, so without. What's that mean to you? Uh, so it's taken from the teaching of uh, Hermes Trismegistus, and he's just some random dude. I view him as the gigatrad of the universe. What it essentially means is I believe the inner world is a reflection, the outer world is a reflection of the inner world. So what you believe is what you become. So I use that to leverage as saying like, okay, I try to spread as much positivity as possible. So if I'm thinking good, I'm feeling good, I'm feeling great, I'm thinking everything's going well in the inner world, and then that's that's the reality that just manifests in the outer world. You're only 30 years old, and I can say only because I'm 39, so you're 10 years behind me, essentially. At 30 years old, I don't think a lot of people tend to, tend to have that sort of outlook. What caused you to start to have that outlook? Was that something like, did your parents, did you grow up in a household environment that was like that? Did you go through some struggle and you had to figure stuff out? Like it's generally one of those things. No, to be honest, I was pretty blessed. I I mean, I had a good child, a good, good family growing up, two younger brothers, just, I mean, we had, we had like normal sports, normal events, good group of friends. So nothing on the household end. I would say we really picked it up. It, it was a, a couple of red phone moments, but really sped up the process was going down the entrepreneurship and cryptocurrency route. So that kind of that kind of ages you more quickly than like a normal career path. But what started as like an entrepreneurship route is like I read a couple of books I'm like this is the shit. This is what we do. I started doing startups and found myself in a good environment. And the next step for me was, and it's really when like the students ready the teacher approaches type of thing. So one of the people I look up to. He recommended this one spiritual book. And at that time, I thought it was like, oh, woo, woo, blah, blah, blah. What was the book? I'm, I'm not, no, A New Earth by Eckhart Tolle. Tolle. Yeah. 
so that was pretty transformative and that just opened my eyes and then i started getting more content started reading more and more into it started listening to more and more people talk about the subject I'm like oh this is good let's raise our collective level of consciousness and then what really kicked into overdrive was in september i went to a 10-day meditation retreat in joshua tree california so that was a 10 a full 10-day thing complete noble silence fully introspective and after after that experience it's been kind of just like okay I'm like pretty much all in at this point. 10 days, complete silence. Correct. So it's the method the Buddha used to reach enlightenment. So it's it's a 10 full day. So like the day you get there and the day you leave doesn't count. Got it. So you get there, you wake you wake up at 4 a.m., you meditate all day, you have breakfast, meditate more, have lunch, meditate more. Then you go back to your room where you sleep. So you, you have a meditation hall, a dining hall, um, a walking path and that's pretty much so you're not supposed to look at anyone obviously no phones electronics no writing no reading no nothing that's just a completely inward experience it's gnarly too it's 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 free so if any of your listeners are interested they're all over the cal or all that the is I, I i do have another friend uh close friend who's done i don't it wasn't 10 days i don't know that he would have survived that long but i think it was like a three-day silent retreat of some sort um at a I want to say it was somewhere in like Southern Kentucky or something, which is a random place. Um, at any rate, uh, 10 days, what was the, so it helped you accelerate your spiritual learnings and, um, deeper, like start to deeper look into that kind of thing. What was like, what was another profound, like aha moment? Did you have any profound aha moments during that 10 days or any like, I'm sure there were probably a couple of moments instead of just one, one, because in the beginning, you're just like trying to figure, like you're trying to get used to the silence, I yeah. would imagine. And then once you kind of get used to the silence, then you can actually start thinking. So what did that, I don't know, what that process look like? I'm kind of intrigued to like go through the day, not every single day, but like, what did that process look like? Like getting out of the noise and then getting into the silence. Yeah. So, so the first day, the first couple of days are probably the hardest ones. Cause you get there. It's like, okay. I'm cause you don't really have no phone, no talking, no nothing for a while. And then you realize, okay, this may, this is gonna be a long experience. So you, the first two days, it's like, okay, maybe I should quit. Maybe I should go home. My car's right there. I'll just drive. No, you push through. And then eventually towards three, four, that's when you kind of get the hang of it, but you're also learning a different meditation method. So it's switching it up. So around three, four days, that's when you get, that's when you, um, so the method, the first three days, you focus on the area with your, around your nostril. You just breathe over and over again until you feel different sensations. And then once you can do that, you scan your body back and forth every inch of your body, which will extract the traumas that are stored in your body in the form of different sensations. So if, let's say you're NASA scientist and you have to put something in space, you need a piece of metal that's 100% pure, you would run it through magnets and the magnets would extract impurities. So that's essentially what you do to the human body. And there wasn't a there wasn't like a bunch of aha moments just because the structure of the course the full ten days the reason it's ten days no phone no nothing is because it's a never ending process like let's say hypothetically I meditate for an hour now after that hour I'll probably like check my emails log back onto the phone reconnect with society but after you meditate like after you do your meditation all for like an hour type of thing it's like well what do you do now it's like okay and then the the experience doesn't stop so like I was remembering stuff like from like my childhood and, and all that stuff. Like, so I, I remembered like pretty much I'm like when I was five, I did this thing in like kindergarten 
oh, this is how it affected my habits because it helps you figure out why you have the habits. So eventually, um, yeah, and eventually once you do it enough, what you're doing is you're pulling out your, um, I guess it's called the misery and aversion. So craving and aversion are the source of misery. You eventually pull those out. And once you pull those out, it's like extracting a root. You're just left with positivity and love for everyone. And I would say my biggest aha moment was like, it was honestly, dude, it's, if I know doing nothing seems easy, but 10 days of just straight nothing was really like, honestly, really. And I'm a pretty physical guy. Like I train Muay Thai, I go to the gym every day. This was actually really challenging. So I remember like by the end of it, you're usually pretty exhausted. So what I would do is I would go to the walking path and just kind of like, just lie on my back and look at the, and look at the stars in the desert. I remember one time I saw, it was like one people when it's like hundreds of shooting stars. I'm just like, oh, this is that would have been cool. And then from, and then from there, what you do is the way you close your meditation is you store all your energy in the, the crown chalk of your head. And then you just wish positivity and love towards everyone, which after, after I learned about that, I'm like, okay, that ties back from the eyes above. So below inner world reflects the outer world. So now when I do my thing, which is why I like podcasts too, I think, cause you know, like positive energy and negative energy are contagious. Like you're on a positive energy. It's like, oh, this is great. But if you're on a negative person, you're just like, mm-hmm. so now now every morning i start that off and now like let's say i'm at the gym type of thing it's like i'll, I'll be walking around the gym it's like in my mind i'm thinking great workout you go get them guys it's, it's, good, it's good you're here at five in the morning and since i came back from the retreat i noticed like a tangible difference of like people just coming up fist bumping you smiling saying good morning just like people have been much friendlier since then and i think it's because i'm wishing them happiness so there's like okay i'll wish this guy happiness whether it all be on a subconscious level but yeah, dude, it's a, it's a great experience. It's 100% free, too. It's called Vimpasa. So all you have to do is commit to showing up. And even then, you can just kind of like dip if, if it's too much or just you're not feeling it. Where did you say that one was? Vimpasa uh, Where I'm sorry. Where was the... I'm sorry. Where was the um, retreat? Um, mine was in Joshua Tree, mm-hmm. California. But they have centers across all the United States and like India and different countries. Um, yeah. So that's... I mean, that's pretty profound. I think for most people, the idea of having even like silence, a bit of solitude is almost maddening because like we're so used to, and I think as far as I know, like you're in the technology space. So, but like, we're so used to having something like bombarding us always, all the time, constantly looking at our phones, getting on the laptop, doing some work, turning the TV on like constantly being bombarded with noise. So I, I think just, just the idea, not even of not doing anything. Cause I think a lot of the world is used to physically not doing anything. I think <laughs> I, I hate to say it, but I yeah. think you and I yeah. are the exception and not the rule to that. But yeah. I do think that a lot of people are not, uh, not comfortable with the idea of not having anything to entertain them. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, and I'll, I'll take that a step further just to add to your point. I, I 100% agree. I think the world is, I think it's been pushed to not do anything physically, which I think honestly one of the best things you could, like if I, one of the best things you can honestly do is just start going to the gym on a consistent basis. And then everything, just, it's just a great, amazing base type to go, like either like a weightlifting gym or a fighting gym along those lines. And just like, um, and I don't think people think, I don't think people realize that everyone's being programmed subconsciously by the content they view. So just like, I can clearly tell you work out because those arm bands are congrats, dude. But like, yeah, just, just, yeah, just like, um, just like when you're working out, let's say you're trying to get as in shape as you can, 
your food diet is just almost just as important as your weightlifting diet. So for example, I ate food XYZ, I know I'm going to, and then I have certain energy levels the next day. It's like, okay, food, these foods are good for me. I ate them. I had good energy. The next day I got a better lift in. I got better gains. This is good. You keep up the, that momentum. The same can be applied to your thought diet. So just as um, you have to be careful what you're consuming online, which is again, why I try to stick to just positive content, positive podcasts and all that stuff. So if you're like, let's say hypothetically, you go on Instagram reels, you go on TikTok, and what, what are you getting bombarded with? It's usually just complete garbage. So that's the equivalent of like eating just junk food every single day. Like imagine how you'd feel if for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, you had like Kit Kat or Reese's, just like a chocolate pie. Like you had a piece of cake every morning, you had a full cake every morning. That's what people are doing to their minds with the general content that they've consumed on social media. And I think this is, I think it's also done on purpose too. Like, for example, I view everything in terms of vibrational frequency. Like um, every emotion has a vibrational frequency. So if you think about um, like 50 is shame, that's the lowest. Above 200 is when you're giving energy. So that's when you're like, you talk to someone, you're like, oh, this is great. Love and joy and peace and all of those things are around like 500. The emotions that um, vibrate around like 200, 150 are like fear, anger, guilt, like hate and all that stuff. And the re- and when you're in that state of mind, that's when you're the most impressionable and the most programmable. So if you go into the social media or just like a news channel with that lens, it's like, all right, what are you trying to program me to do? And in the end, it's usually not great. Um, how do you open someone's yeah. eyes to that? So I, I again, I 100% agree. Uh, you should read a book. I assume it seems like you're a book reader. Um, Johan Har- Har- Harari, I think was his name. Shoot, what the heck was the name of that book? Anyway, it'll pop into my head. Um, oh, Stolen Focus. Great book. Anyway, okay. so basically mm-hmm. that's what he talks about, the development of social media as it is, the development of things like Infinite Scroll and how Infinite that's Scroll, that. the code, God. basically took our time away from us because I don't even know if you remember this, but back in the day on Facebook, when you got to the bottom of the page, you had to click next to go to the next page. Yeah. You probably vaguely remember. Most people probably don't even recall that. So as soon as you create a code that allows you to just keep going, there's no reason for you to stop unless you actively stop. So unless you start to understand that these things are created for a purpose and that you can either let them use you or you can use them, you can use them for a purpose, then you're just going to, like like you're saying, let yourself go into a negative frequency and basically be used by not only the app, but the content of the app. So how do you start to pull somebody in a direction to help them understand that? Uh, so you can, um, and there's one pro tip I want to add. So... I, I, and I noticed the minus for a while back. So I'm like, okay, let's, let's run a test. Let me go on my Instagram reels, my uh, Instagram stories. Let's see if I go click on reels, how many, what percent of reels just add value to my life in a positive way. And no shock. It was honestly like zero. Just like, if you think about it, it's like, what is this garbage they're trying to feed me? This is not helpful at all. So what I, what I do is I download chess.com. And so whenever I have the urge to go on, like, cause I was, I've been drained to be on my phone. So whenever the urge to go on my phone, go on reels, I just take out chess.com, play a couple quick three-minute games. And on my phone, I have a separate folder for my social media. 
and I put chess.com right in the middle of that just just so it's there because I'm like okay if I'm gonna do it at that point and I'm gonna catch myself okay then you play a couple games obviously it's just much better than just whatever they're gonna consume you but in terms of just waking people up um, um I'll tell you what doesn't work is just bumboarding them with like hey mom you need to get off the news do not see what they're trying to do just like no 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 they really just have to be ready in their own right and start asking questions what I like to do is I just like to send people content. If you want to just read it, you can. Like, for example, Eckhart Tolle just sells something like a YouTube video. And then generally they eventually listen or they don't. Like, you can't force. And again, you can't force anyone to learn anything. It's, it's just really their own process. Uh, my dad always says, gentle pressure, relentlessly applied. That's his. Yeah. yeah. It's like it's like working out. It's just like social media content for the gym. You go every single day. You'll eventually see results. For social media content, what do Andrew Tate, what do Mr. Beast, what do Gary Vaynerchuk do? What do they do? They just post it every single day authentically. And if you scroll through their channels, like way back when, and this is what happened on LinkedIn. Like now I get like, who cares about likes? But I get like around 200 or so a week. A week. When I started for like the first year, it's like, it was just me like my own <laughs> right. shit. And then eventually, eventually, eventually it picks up and then the people retroactively do that. So honestly, I think consistently is just having consistent habits and doing cons- consistently just like, yeah, your dad's right. Just gentle pressure and sometimes more intense pressure, but just gentle pressure every day. Um, so another thing on your profile that kind of caught my attention because I can totally, um, empathize with this. Uh, you say you're a fiercely independent and commit, you're fiercely independent and committed to self mastery. What makes you a fiercely independent person? Like what, what, what in your upbringing caused you to be that way? Or, or did you just develop the, because you started entrepreneurship at such a young journey, do you think that that was kind of the, the thing that sparked your independence? No, uh, I think in my upbringing, it's like you always feel like you want to be independent, but in reality, you're not like, yeah, I'll be a strong independent dude. Blah, blah, blah. But then you get a corporate job. It's like, okay, you're still dependent on all this. You're still dependent on systems. Whereas entrepreneurship route, it's like, okay, it's really all on you, which comes with benefits and perks. Like, for example, I don't have anyone who can tell me what to do, but at the same time, if it doesn't work, it's also extreme extreme accountability on that point. But yeah, and again, it's just like a journey process. Like once, again, I think the entrepreneurship book that kicked it off, like the new Earth by Eckhart Tolle was Anti-Fragile by Taleb. And so it just focused on like, okay, be yourself, you do you. Um, don't like, in the end, the only really person who really cares about you is you. So like you have the best interest at heart. And on top of that, I think it's better to serve people. And the best way to serve people is to be your best version of yourself too. So I just kind of take that ethos and just run with it. Yeah. The way I like to think about it is you can't be selfish until you're selfless. Um, Ironically, again, the world doesn't teach us that the world teaches us that you, if you do something for yourself, then you are a selfish person and that's not good. And, Nope. How do you, how do you start to, how do you even start to tell somebody to wake somebody up to say, Hey, you have to, until you get yourself right, how can you expect to give yourself to the world until you get yourself in a place where you, you have the abundant energy that you want. You have the ability to be an independent person. And by independent, I mean, not dependent on drugs, healthcare, the whole slew of things that society is dependent on, dependent on. Until you get away from all of that, you cannot give yourself to the world and give your best. You can't say that you're giving your best sitting there scrolling on your phone to your family. So 
how do you start to wake yeah. somebody up to that? I mean, and again, it goes back to the theory, like you can fill, you can fill from an empty cup. If you're empty, what are you supposed to give? Mm. Nothing. So to fill, to fill from other people, to fill someone else's cup, you have to fill your own. And then from there, you can start generating and helping as much as you can. Like if I want to donate charity, I have no money. How am I supposed to do that? If I'm going to teach someone physical fitness and I'm just weak, I'm like, why would I listen to you? So I, I would say the best thing, and again, I can only speak for myself on how to wake people up is I, I'm not trying to, well, I mean, I do like kind of, hopefully if people, if they listen to this podcast, they wake up and do what's best for them. But initially it was just kind of an example thing where it's like, for obviously like the first people I'm going to wake up are my close friends, close family. And to do that, I just kind of live my life. They see how I'm living my life. Okay, he lives a good life. He's in good shape. He has good friends. He has everything. And he follows this line of thinking. Maybe I should try it too. And then they're more receptive to the books and content that I would share with them. And then from there, it's really in their own hands. Like if they want to continue pursuing the student, this type of knowledge, they can. And the cool thing is they're taking their own path. Like they're not going to find the exact, they're going to, it's going to be different than my path, but at least it's their own path, which is what we should do or what we should follow. Very true. And yet I also believe that because of the digital world that we live in, because I feel like so many people are hypnotized by <laughs> being online, I don't know, by, by constantly staring at a screen, that there is a level of like having to wake up, having to wake somebody up. You see what I'm saying? It's not a matter of like, you can't, a man convinced against his will is of the same opinion still, right? So like, you, you can't yeah. say, hey, dude, like, this is what you need to do. Like, there's a productive way to do it. And then there's an unproductive way to do it. I believe leading by example, which is exactly what you're saying. It like it starts there. That's like ground zero. You need to lead by example. And hopefully, a lot of people are watching and paying attention. And they're going, well, look at that. Look at what that dude's doing. I, I want to be able to be like that. I want to be able to have that kind of energy too. But I also feel like there's a level of nudging. You know what I'm saying? That that can be done to say, hey, have you thought like, have you thought about how you could feel? Have you thought about how you might live differently or how your body might look differently or how you might treat everybody else differently if you did, if you tried X, Y, Z? Is that something you've ever like, is that a route you've ever gone down with a friend, like a close friend? When you see somebody who's like, who you know is going in a place that's just not productive. That's that's not gonna live. They're not gonna live a, a long, productive, useful life. Is it worth crossing that bridge with them? Well, if you're not crossing the bridge, then you're not a true friend, in my opinion. And yeah, like for example, I use my close friend. His name's Bride. Sorry, Bride. But yeah, he was getting fat. Um. So and again, like we hang out. He would see me turn down certain foods. It's like, no, I don't want to eat that. I just came from the gym. He would get the burger. He'd, he'd feel worse. And of course, I would send him reels and like constructive like constructive stuff on like working out and all that stuff. But I'd also be relentless and make fun of him. It's like, Brian, you're fat. Like, we're on his gentle walk. What are you doing, man? But on the flip side, like he's, again, he started going to the gym. Got to give him encouragement when he goes in. Like, because he he's, he's getting skinnier. So now it's like, good job, Brian. You're still kind of fat, but you are much skinnier now. Just keep up the good work. So yeah, like with a close friend, yeah, we can be a little a little more relentless. Like it's like, dude, every time I see it, it's like, come on, get in shape. <laughs> and that's that's what friends are for. Like if I, I get fat or if I had something wrong with me, I would want my I would I'd be like, hey yo, just yeah, go hard. And, and that's what that's how people change. I, 
but for the for the average user it's like if i go up to like a reddit person on the street it's like hey fatty fatty you better go to the gym that may not have the best result but for our, my close family circle they know you because they have to understand the intention is good like for brian it's like he knows i want him in shape so like it's it's obviously we're being it's funny we're, we're a group of guys so obviously we're pretty relentless about it but it's coming from a good place so as long as it's coming from a good place, we're good. Well, and like you said, he's your friend. And I think that like the world is so sensitive right now when they hear something like that where they're where it's like, Yeah, my friend, like I tell him he's a fat ass. And I'm like, dude, come on, you gotta get your shit together. Or like like what's going on? Yeah, yeah. you'll die. Like yeah. I don't know. I don't I don't want to exactly. tell you. Like you can, how do you think in in five years, do you know the health problems you'll have? I want you oh, this will work for me. It's like think of someone in ten years who's forty and fat. How do, how's their life? And I was like, well, it should. And he's like, oh, I know this person. I know the exact health problems they have. That will be me in the future. And it's like, yes, that will be you. Now go get a gym membership. And it's like a babysit thing where it's like, okay, Brian, the first thing you need to do, you need to get the membership. We don't care how much you go. Just march your ass at a 24 hour fitness and sign up. And then from there, then after you join, it's like, okay, tag along with me a couple times in the morning and I'll show you, like, obviously I'm not like a fitness coach or anything, but like, I'll show you the workouts I do going to incorporate into your own routine totally up to you and then from there he's he's going consistently well i mean and and that's exactly it like you you are being a friend i think a lot of people view being a friend as like not judging which is partly true but you're not judging the dude because he's fat you're not saying you're fat and i don't like you you're friends with the dude you kill you clearly like the guy yeah yeah (laughs) For whatever reason, but I have a lot of yeah. people who say the same thing about um, me. Um, same, same. <laughs> like it's 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 a it's a two way street. Um, no, but I have a I have a good a close friend as well who I'll definitely throw under the bus. His name's Bob, and he um, we actually we were texting back and forth because we trained together. I owned a fitness studio for ten years, and I just got out of it like a couple months ago. And he would train with me in the mornings three days a week. And then when I got out of it, he quit training. Of course, I just, I kept working out and, um, we were in different cities. That's why once I got out of it, we were in different cities. That's why he quit training. Um, when I was in it, we were in the same city and that's why we trained together just to put that, put that together anyway. Um, so anyway, we were texting back and forth the other day and I was trying to get him back to moving a little bit and we were trying to figure out a time to ruck. I don't know if you've ever gone rucking, just putting a, a backpack on your back with some heavy weights in it, which I highly recommend for anybody because it's, yeah, it's oh, cool. really fun, okay. somewhat challenging. But <laughs> he was trying to, we were trying to decide if we were going to go to one place or the other. And I said, well, let's go to your farm because it's got hills. And he's like, well, I haven't done this for a while. And I was like, yeah, well, we might as well just jump into some hills. And I was like, well, plus I like to watch you suffer. And he's like, well, I totally understand that. Like we, that's kind of the point. Like we want to push each other. We want to make each other better. We want to improve each other. And part of it is just like, Hey, I can do this thing that you can't do. So let's go ahead and do it so that you come along with me. Like, it's not a shaming thing. It's, it's just a, like, I'm trying to improve you because I know you're worth it. And I know that you're capable of more. 
exactly and honestly we did the exact same thing with our hiking trail so like i live in pv so pv is a nice um it's a nice ocean town so there's plenty of hiking trails so i think i will actually give rucking a try that sounds cool but yeah we what we did was like we take bread of trails and then we're just like dude why are you so sweaty look at look at this old person she's walking this hill this fit asian six-year-old but look yeah. at yourself and we're yeah. just like he's like oh, yeah well yeah <laughs> that's funny that's funny um, what's a life of purpose mean to you? Uh, so overall, I think there's two. I think everyone has, for, for me, happiness is freedom. So as long as I'm free, I'm happy. In terms of purpose, I think everyone has two different purposes. I would say the inner purpose for everyone is the same. And I think the inner purpose for everyone is to raise their own level of consciousness, which raises their uh, level of consciousness around of those around them. And if we do that as a collective, I think everyone gets better. So that goes back to that vibrational scale of like zero to a thousand. So doing things that like make you feel good, that help other people, that keep you in shape, the content you consume, all of that is centered around raising your own inner consciousness. So like when I read a book, I read a podcast, I do like my, what's in the back of my mind is like, will this raise my level of consciousness? Yes or no. If no, I'll no, I just find something a little simple as that. Out, outer purpose is how do I incorporate my gifts to raise level, level of consciousness like okay i have a specific skill set i think everyone's born with a specific i think the universe or god or whatever you want to call it i think everyone's born with very specific talents and the best thing they can do to other people is the best thing they can do for other people to serve them is to just act authentically on your gifts because think about it, like i'm if you like you seem like a cool dude but if you try to be me you can't because I'm, eric you. I'm the mm-hmm. i'm the best in the world yeah, I'm the best at Eric, being Eric. And this flip side for you, Jay. If like I try to do what you do, you'll probably crush me every time. So the best thing we can both do is just be our authentic selves and it results in cool content like this. And so that's where kind of shop X and dating come into play. Where So they're all kind of like related. Like for me, everything is related. Um, yeah, I could definitely not be you because word on the street is you have an IQ of like 140. Is that correct? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think IQ's I think IQ's a well, single number two. I think I think uh, much my street yeah, my street IQ like, might be one forty, but I can tell you my book IQ is I don't know that it's measurable to be totally honest. <laughs> no, no, I'm kidding. You you are you're infinite, but yeah, I think a much more important metric is like um emotional quotient, mm, which is same thing as IQ, but like how can you how do like yeah, how just be empathetic. I think that's much more important than having an high IQ. Because besides, like for example, one of my companies is a AI based matchmaker. She's only three point five, so and her IQ is one fifty five. So like if we're, if I'm trying to match versus her, I'll I'll lose. So it's like machines will take over that pretty quick, but they can match. They can match empathy. They can match creativity, and they can match grit. Well, they can't match grit because they can they can keep going. But yeah, they can't match creativity or empathy. Uh, yeah, machines can keep going because, as far as I can tell, yeah. they have no way of getting tired, except maybe they get too hot. And then they have to slow down a little bit. I don't really know. I know my computer gets too hot sometimes and it has to slow down. But um, at any rate, tell me, so you're into, and I know I'm going to go ahead and say, I know about this much about what I'm about to say. So um, Web3, which I've heard of from reading your profile, (laughs) um, AI and a number of different things, which the world is starting to get more of. Uh, first, how did you how did you start to jump into that? Yeah, so um, for for the Web three thing, and they're all kind of related. 
like for the for the web three thing my overall goal is i would like to live a nice peaceful life and i felt that that was harder to do if i view the money system as being corrupt and then i view and that's what led me to research like how money's created and all that jazz which led me to originally gold and silver and then that's what led me to bitcoin and then that's what led me to shopx because like okay how do i get more people in the crypto like you can't like you said you can't force anyone to the crypto especially crypto because the ui is garbage but like how do i for how do i get people in the crypto ecosystem okay this is where shopx comes into play so what shopx is it's a bridge for and what that's one brands of your companies sorry and to, to interject yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah it's uh, shopx is one of the companies it's like the google of apple web3 if you're a web2 brand and you want to interact within web3 we've developed a really easy way to do that with two products the first is ReserveX. So if you're on Shopify or WooCommerce, and for your listeners, if you're trying to start an online brand, there are four major platforms, Shopify, WooCommerce, either Magento, BigCommerce, or Salesforce, some combination. We're on Shopify, WooCommerce. You would download the ShopX app, and then directly within the app, you can launch your own NFT collection without writing a single line of code. Your NFT collection is minted, and then you can add e-commerce benefits to your NFT collection. So for example, if Nike were to launch a gold, silver, bronze style loyalty pass collection the gold pass holders could get product a for free the silver pass holders could get 50 percent off that product the bronze pass holders could get that product just before everyone else so you as a brand get to add e-commerce benefits to the nft giving it real world utility and this it ties into our second product so as a brand you're launching your nft collection you have control over 95 percent of where the money goes like nike sells one pass for 100 bucks they get 95. So if they're working like an influence or an agency, you can program in their wallet. So those people get paid appropriately too. ShopX earns our money on the 5%. And we share half of the 5%, so 2.5 with our community for helping our ecosystem grow. The logic behind that is a, it's much better to give than receive just in general, but it creates a nice positive spiral for everyone involved. So like ShopX, we get more and more brands. The brands are getting more and more NFT sales. So they're happy. Their customers are obviously happy because, hey, they're purchasing and no one's forcing them to. If they weren't happy, they wouldn't be doing it. But they're getting more and more e-commerce utility. ShopX is earning more and more money. And then from there, our communities get paid more and more Ethereum as we earn more and more money. So since they're getting half, they're creating more positive energy. They're posting. They're going on brands pages. They're like, why aren't you using ShopX for this? And then that just generates more buzz around the ShopX brand, thus attracting more brands. Like, for example, it's worked a pretty major brand recently. Our community got paid. Then like five of them went on the Twitter account for this brand. They're just like, you guys fucked up your product. Like, cause they tried to do some NFT thing. And it was just garbage. And the community members, they went and they told them that it was garbage. They need, and they're like, you need to use shop X, get in touch with shop X. And then what I did is I just copied the tweet and just mass added everyone on LinkedIn from that brand. It's like, Hey, I can help you out with this. Do you want to hop on a quick call? And that eventually got the attention of someone at their seat that was like, oh shit. Yeah. I kind of, I do want to talk to you now. And that that's all because it's authentic groundswell. Like if you want a brand to do something, how do you do it? You get the customers to demand. And so, yeah, so that's just a whole thing about how that system works. Okay. Got caught up real quick. Um, so yeah. I had another question, which I just had parked in the back of my head, but it just ran away from me. Oh, there it is. Um, <laughs> There are a lot of people intimidated by AI. Yeah. Um, is that right to right may not be the right word to use, but is that 
should people be intimidated by AI? Meaning like not intimidated to use it, like to go to chat GBT and type some questions in like, you know, whatever. Using it's one thing, but like the potential for it, yeah, like, is that a reasonable thing to think about? Like, in my mind, it's like, that's probably not in our lifetime kind of thing, which I could be way wrong about that, but it could certainly be a thing. So I don't know. What are your thoughts about like the potential? What are your thoughts about the potential of it? And then I'd like to also talk a little bit about the idea of like how you limit the potential of it. Because I think that there should, I feel like there might be something there like to, to having to limit the potential because human beings don't have the capability to stop themselves doing of creating anything yeah, yeah of clearly. creating anything that they they if they think it's useful i'm gonna go ahead and create it and whether or not whatever happens to it afterward i don't know we're not gonna think about that but at any rate um thoughts yes yeah, so in terms of ai i view all technology whether it be a gun whether it be blockchain whether it be ai as at its core technology is better technology is a neutral thing and it's up to the people using it. Like, for example, in the gun example, like someone shoots anyone that's unfortunate. The gun in my mind is not bad. It's the person that's bad. So, like, I take the same concept into going to AI. So, I think there'll be some negative ways. And so, at its core, what AI is really good at is just its pattern recognition at scale, which is extremely valuable. So, however you want to do that, you can. Like, for example, if I wanted to, if I got a database of people, um, I could theoretically just be like, okay, run this to this database. Oh, these people exhibit the same patterns as people who develop a certain disease. I could use that as a preventive measure to reach out to those people. It's like, okay, I now you, there's a good chance you may have this disease. You may want to check it out, and then hopefully that saves some lives. But the same type of gun, same type on the same exact node, I could take an AI. I could take an AI. Get the same data data group, the group of people. I could run that for. Okay, you guys have this disease. Oh, who doesn't have any loved ones? And I can use that as like a call center scam artist thing. I just watch a beehive. This is what they did. But the other, or beekeeper, this is what they did. It's like they used AI to get it, to generate a, um, find a list of people who have no, no loved ones in the next line. And they use that to scam their money. So in that end, it's just a techno- uh, neutral technology. In terms of the Terminator vibe, I'm, I could be wrong too, don't get me wrong, but like, I don't see that happening because it, it's a computer and then there's always an off switch. And I like to joke about web one, web two, web three, web four. Oh, I can give you this example. Like web one is read only. So we're in web one, you can read you can read stuff online. Web two is read and write. So Instagram, Facebook, it's like I can read content, you can write content, but we don't own the content. So like I post something on Instagram, you can see that content. But the problem is Instagram can cancel me at any point in time. And they could even like 20 years on the line, they could say, okay, these guys like they talked about fitness on a podcast, which is obviously super out that's against the mega laws right now. They could cancel us retroactively. Where Web3, I think, is read, write, and own. That's where crypto comes into play. So it's like, um, I could read, we can read content, we can write content. Like I create an NFT collection. You buy that NFT, there's a connection between me and you. No one can cancel that. Just that's me and you. Web4, I would say, is a more baked out version of that. I know like the metaverse and AI and all that jazz because it's making everything super techie and super ready player one. And then I would say Web5 Web is people just kind of go back outdoors. So they're actually, we're over it. I want, I want yeah. some sun. <laughs> the sun is what generally works. Yeah. But yeah, I don't think AI would be some like Terminator type thing. I think it'll be used for both good and negative purposes. We just have to make sure that we just have to promote the good purposes and hopefully more people create more good than bad, just like any other technology. So you don't see, 
but if it's a term if it's a terminator if it's a terminator it's a computer you can always just like yeah valid point but you don't see ai coming this becoming this like self generating thing i don't know if i'm asking that question right but where you can't really control whether or not you turn it off like it basically has control of itself no i I don't think so but again I, i could be wrong on that or it could just kind of create like its own thing and just like in, in any movie, just like, no, it's for my own good. It's for your own good that I keep going and just run from there. I don't think that could happen, but again, it could be wrong. Uh, either way, it's one of those things where we're going to well, see. And yeah, it, it is. One thing, I'm, one, one, thing I'm con- one thing I'm concerned about, and again, like I get sketchy vibes from like Sam Olfman and those people. He, I just look at him, just like, you can look at someone's eyes and I'm just like, hmm, you're the type who would just kind of build something and see what happens without regard for others, but we also have to be conscious of the people who would be limiting and writing the laws for governing AI. And right now I think that'd be people who can't even open Facebook. So that, that I think that itself is the bigger problem. And those are the exact type of people who probably do it for that nefarious purpose in the first place. True words. Um, well, to go back to your point about like, it just depends on whose hands it is and like who's using it. Like I mentioned healthcare before and I mentioned medication and so on. Like, the first medication was penicillin, essentially. And penicillin, of course, has saved how many multi-millions of lives, right? Oh, wow. Like millions of lives. But since the development of penicillin, how many medications have been developed? And a lot of them, again, like when, when, I, when I start talking about medication, first of all, it gets me freaking worked up because... Not medication. You go, it's like... Yeah. Yes, there is intention behind the, the development of it to help somebody. And certainly it's helping somebody somewhere. And, and by helping somebody in my mind, it, it means like they have tried everything that they can do to improve their circumstances. And now that they've tried everything, now they've been given this thing and it's stabilized their circumstances. Instead, where we are is that we give this thing. There is no let's try everything we can do to see what okay. we can do. It is, here's this thing. We're not even going to worry about this, this part. And part of that is because doctors have basically came to the quote unquote conclusion that human beings aren't going to do anything that they say anyway. So let's go ahead and give them this pill. And actually the odds of them taking the pill are not all that much better to begin with. But at any rate, like to your point, that's exactly what it is. Good intentions don't exactly good intentions can very quickly lead to destructive, a destructive force. I, I would say, and I'm in complete alignment with you saying like, I think mother nature often has the best remedies. If you're feeling sad, you're feeling depressed, try getting in shape, go for a walk, eat healthy, eat like a salad for once in your life. And honestly, most super problems would solve that way. But I wouldn't say the intentions of the uh, pharmaceutical system at a whole are pure. I think doctors going into it, like for example, most, most doctors in med school right now, I think they get into it because they want to help people. Of course, there's exceptions to every rule, but the overall goal of the pharmaceutical company is at its bottom core to make money. And I think those are run by people with bad bad intentions. And how do you keep people making money? You just throw drugs at them. How do you keep them healthy? You just, yeah, you don't encourage them to go outside. Don't encourage them to try mother nature type stuff. You just keep them on like a, I think it's like a, this is what dating solves is churn market for dating apps. What they make their money is something called share marketing, which is basically keeping this person like a hamster wheel of pharmaceuticals, money, and then charging whatever they want. 
So I, I don't think the intent, the intent, I think the intentions of most doctors are pure. And I, I honestly believe most doctors are really great people, but the systematic at a whole, like for example, whoever's the CEO of Pfizer, it's like probably not the best dude type of thing. And it's just him and his friends kind of at the top creating systems in place where they just kind of re-rake and profit at everyone else's expense. Well, yeah, for, for somebody to understand that, like literally the, the purpose of pharmaceutical, the pharmaceutical company is profit. That's, that's their number one purpose is profit. It's, it's not to see how many lives they can save. It's not any of that. Like that's not, that's probably not even in their wheelhouse. Number one. It it probably, it probably started as that. I would say it started as that. Then when one bad apple gets in, they bring in like two more and here we are. Well, as soon as they figured out they could make things to, they can make things to, fix the issues that human beings were developing, the chronic diseases that human beings were developing, and that chronic disease was a moneymaker in and of itself, that's when that's when it probably transitioned to, let's go ahead and make a ton of money off of this. Because if you look at the healthcare industry, it's not shrinking. Like, it's not even close. The healthcare industry, the pharmaceutical industry, they're, I have to imagine easily top five, probably two of the top three industries in the United yeah. States growing. If you look around everywhere, there's healthcare, there's this kind of doctor, that kind of doctor, the specialization that comes from that has developed over time. That's not in my mind, like that's not for sake of usefulness. That's for sake of making more money. The more specialized you make something, the more you break something down, the more money you can make. Because then I can send you to a kidney doctor. Then I can send you to a heart doctor. Then I can send you to this doctor. That that equals making more money. And that's hard for somebody to fathom that that's the point of all of it. Yeah, and what really helps them in their money-making scheme is because we have such a bloated uh, pharmaceutical industry, we also have a bloated insurance mm-hmm. agency. So like, when you go to the doctor, it's like, Okay, just you're just like insurance takes care of it. Whereas, if let's say, imagine you go to the doctor and you paid out of pocket for everything, it's like, wait a second, why is this pill five hundred dollars, sir? I don't. I think I'll say no to that versus like, okay, bill to the insurance. So it's, yeah, I think that's also now that I'm thinking about like out loud, that's probably also by design, where it's like, okay, I think they're probably working together to again to make as much money as possible. A hundred percent, it's the system. Like the the system is yeah. broken. It, it's Agreed. and that's the problem. So, um, yeah. and that could that could uh, actually be like a another five hour podcast in and of itself. But yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. yes, it could. You could that's a that is a that's a is. whole rabbit hole. I I listened to yeah. um I don't know if you li- listened to the Patrick Bet David podcast. He had a guy from the pharmaceutical industry on. I think last week sometime. Um, just telling some, some very crazy things. And that was basically one of the big things that he said was they're there for money, man. It's that's, that's the point. Like the point is, is to make money. It doesn't, the rest of it doesn't really matter to him. Yeah, no, I can see that. And honestly, I've listened to a couple of PBT episodes. I think he's a good host. So I'll, I'll for sure check out this episode. So thank you for that. Yeah, that one's definitely, definitely useful. Yeah. Um, last question before we roll, cause I think we could probably do this for a long time. Um, yeah, if you, 
what's your ultimate? So we, we talked a little bit about living a life of purpose with what you're doing right now. You have ShopX, you have data ing. Is that the correct way to say it? Yes. <laughs> sure, man. We're, we're, still, we're still working out the production stations, either dating yeah. or data <laughs> dating, which I thought was real clever, by the way. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I love it. No, it's super cool. It's cool. Um, I don't know. At the end of your career, which hopefully is in a long time, which will definitely be in a long time, uh, what will you have hoped to accomplish? Yeah, I'd like to spread as much positivity as possible, not as much good to the world. And I think both companies do that. Um, ShopX for a reason. Like, I think that onboards people in the Web3 space. In our initial launch, over 50% of the people who purchased like the NFT for the hat that came with it, they were 100% branded to crypto. And whether they want to learn more about like, for example, like cryptos, I view the financial system as a rabbit hole, just like pharmaceuticals are, where it's like, okay, they're a part of the system. Maybe they learn more about it. Maybe they don't. It's up to them. So that onboards people into the Web3 crypto space. And Dada Ing, as I also view, um, so what that is, it's a AI-powered matchmaker. So I view the I think one of the most important things for humans is just genuine human relationships. So what dating does is it'll create a digital it'll create a dating profile for you based on your digital footprint, and then it'll match you with someone similar to based on your digital footprint. So for example, I get Ashley, Kimberly, Jane. I get a brief bio on each one. Okay, Jane went to Florida University, less than a thousand followers on Instagram. Okay, please tell me more about Jane. Okay, um, she goes to national parks. She's the eldest in her family. You're also the eldest in the family. Oh, did you know that over twenty five percent of your Spotify listens are both from a specific artist? Would you like me to suggest a date? And then from there, so what it does, because again, I think most people don't know a date for whatever reason, but what it does, it puts the users in the position to succeed. So, like, let's say that Spotify example didn't come up, it still suggested that I meet with Jane based on commonalities, so that could come up organically. And on the flip side, let's say I'm someone who likes the opposite of me, it'll suggest people who are similar at first. I keep saying no. It'll feel like, all right, this guy clearly doesn't like the people who are similar to him. Let's try the opposite so it'll get smarter. And long term, it has, I think it has great potential to be a community building app. Like just like it's doing with dating, just because I think that's a very, mar- it's a very easy market to penetrate just because how garbage sauce like Tinder and all the dating market is. Like imagine this, we just run ads. So like people on Tinder is like, has Tinder been working for you? Probably not because that's the <laughs> business model. Just like, just, just like farm, it's churn marketing. So just like farm, like, they keep people on the cycle. Tinder makes its money by keeping people paid customers. Like, think about it. Point. If they were to match a hat, if they're making a happy couple, they lose a customer. And again, their bottom line is to make money. So they just keep people coming on. So like run an ad for Tinder users like, hey, didn't it work for you? Now we'll try this. So it has the potential to also match people like friends and communities. Like, for example, if I want to join a male community, it's like, okay, who else is into rucking? This is pretty, uh, this is pretty like obscure. Maybe you, Chris, you don't have a, po- or Jerry, sorry. You don't have a post. You don't have a post about Jerry. You don't have a post about Rocky. It doesn't come up. But like, okay, well, Jerry ran his own fitness video. His Instagram has some fitness content. Maybe you two would like to grab a workout, and it could suggest friends and communities of like-minded individuals that way. So yeah, so um, I think that that company is going to spread a bunch of love. Like I think about like think about this. If we can match a successful couple, they create a family out of this. Like there's not much more. Like I think that's one of the greatest accomplishments. Like. Yeah, you, you set up a successful, happy family. They raise their kids well. Then their kids are positive. They add. They actually work. They go outside. They're not dickheads. <laughs> and then it starts. It starts like a. It starts a ham. It just starts like a snowball effect of just that happening. 
That's good stuff, man. I love that. That that is a that is great. That's a great idea. I if only and that that this almost solves the problem. I believe that if people could if there was like a checklist of things you could ask somebody before you kind of <laughs> before you met them and started uh because once you start meeting somebody, you don't I don't know, you, you kind of get in yeah, you ignore you ignore ignore the red flags. There's like a for most people they don't can go to date. So like, oh my god, a, a girl's actually talking to me, or it's like, oh, somebody's yeah. interested. What we try to do is we want the back work done. And I, I see the dating game and two problems, and this might be kind of offensive, but the problem from the guy's standpoint is most guys are so cringe they don't know how to talk with a girl at all. And I, I've seen proof of that from female friends. They're like, Jesus, look what these people said. I'm like, oh, Jesus <laughs> Christ, what is wrong with you? So from the guy's side, our goal is to set the date and for them to go out in real life and meet in person. So from the guy's side, it's like, okay, all that's, just, all that's done, we suggest the day for you. Maybe have a FaceTime call, don't fuck it up, and actually meet in person. And the issue, for, and the issue from the girl side is, honestly, a lot of girls choose their relationships, especially when they're young, extremely poorly. So we want them to have a vetting process where they can go share their girlfriends, like, hey, match this guy on dating, and then they can have like a text group. It's like, what do we want to ask about this? Oh, what kind of fitness level does he have? What kind of, how is he close to their family? Um, did he go to college? Did he not? What do you think of him? And the AI is getting so smart too. It's like the more data sources you link, the better it'll be. And it can read your Instagram photos. It can read your, again, pattern recognition. It can just make a good profile for you. But like for your Instagram photo, like let's say you post a photo of you at the gym. You don't even have to post a caption anymore. It just knows you at the gym. And I could see probably, let's say you could probably do 225, but it's like, okay, this guy betches 225. Um, yeah, you could do 225. You could do 225. But it's like, yeah, this guy does this guy 225. He's in the top 0.01% of fitness. Let's try to find him a fit girl and, and it and can take it from there. So, and again, the cool thing about this is the opposite of Tinder. It's like the opposite of it. It's like the more you say no, the more dates you go on, the smarter it gets at reading people and as a whole. So, the more likely you are to get a match. And once the match is made, let's say I meet Jane, get, we fall in love, we get married and all that stuff, it can act as like a relationship butler. So, I'd be like, okay, you lazy turds, you haven't been out in three months. I think you guys better plan a date. Here's a recommended recommended babysitting service oh the your favorite restaurant that you had your second date on it's having half off ice cream or something along those lines maybe it's time to do that so i can just help out with a lot of things and it, i don't know you are you into video games uh, i played video games a lot when i was younger did you I play did, halo I did. the original halo one oh, yeah, halo but... two halo three which one yeah. Uh, all, all three. Um, obviously, the before four, it's kind of really, like yeah. gets a little janky. Halo but, one uh, was where I spent most of my one, time. Two. Yeah, the AI. If you look at the mascot, it's based off Cortana. Nice. That's super cool. Right. That's a nice like. I that's I think super it's cool. Because cool. like, it's like yeah. Oh, it's it's sick, and it's supposed to function as Cortana before. You guys insane. <laughs> For anybody listening to this yeah. who doesn't know who Halo is, they're like, okay, you lost me. Well, they're. Well, they totally out, are, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I believe that Halo, the original, the very first original Halo, was the best video game ever. I would say it's in my top three. I'll give my top spot to Zelda Ocarina. Oh, Zelda, that's a good one. Yeah, yeah, but Halo, no, the original one, like, yeah, like that's when, like, me and my friend, because I was elementary school at that age, we'd spend. We'd plan sleepovers around <laughs> right. Halo and just play like all night. The parents were like, you turn yeah. that off. And we're like, 
okay then like five minutes right later, back, on, back on right but and yeah, those were the good old days when you had to lay everything together you had to sit you had to sit in the same oh, room and God, connect man. and whenever you got pissed at somebody you could actually walk over to the room and beat and beat them instead of like yell at them on the <laughs> just like, just like, dude land parties they need to bring my land party yeah land parties are great like mountain <laughs> doom pizza <laughs> just yeah like with, with the with the boys just like that's games. too great got it People are just like passing out like two to three, waking up. Yeah. Going, yeah. It was super crazy, but it was <laughs> right. fun. I'm totally with you. Yeah. Good stuff, brother. I definitely appreciate it. Um, where can people, uh, where do you want to send people? How about that? Yeah. So if you're interested in Web3 e-commerce, the best place would be shopx.co. So S-H-O-P-X dot C-O. If you're interested in AI or matchmaking, dating would be the best bet. So it's D-A-T-A-I-N-G dot I-O. I mean, my goal is to be helpful. So if you all, if you just want to talk to shit or just like DM or whatever, just give me a follow on Instagram at Eric D McHugh and we can get the ball rolling there. Eric, I appreciate your time. I appreciate your wisdom. And as a young 30 year old, I appreciate you wanting to make the world a better place through technology. And honestly, I think, I think you're doing the same thing just through physical fitness and running this podcast. So honestly, uh, Jerry, I appreciate Thanks, you as brother. well, man. Appreciate your time.